President Joe Biden says food shortages are coming to America and they are going to be real. Could this be the next wave of crisis to further the new world order agenda? Or is this another biblical prophecy of end days? What should we do to be prepared? Should we be afraid or will we live on faith? Join me as we look at it through a biblical lens on today's edition of End of the Age. Hello and welcome to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell and as you can see I am here alone again today. Um, Vince Thiel is in meetings and Dave is also. So uh, today and tomorrow I'll be doing this uh, alone. (laughs) Maybe Vince will join me tomorrow. We'll have to wait and see. But um, starting off with what we talked about today, of course let me just say this real quick. Dave had a wonderful meeting in College Station over the weekend. He, he said they had about a hundred guests down there uh, in the College Station area and had a great time of uh, revival there at the conference. Had a lot of people sign up for the Bible studies and so we're excited about that. We thank everybody that came out to uh, the area and uh, he even had a special guest. He had Will Johnson show up there so uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, for him to get to meet face-to-face with uh, Will Johnson. I know a lot of times there's a lot of his listeners that come and listen to our program. So uh, we're excited to be able to uh, see Will down there and uh, get to meet him personally. Uh, So today's topic, are food shortages coming? Well, that's that's what President Joe Biden says, that they are coming to America, that they're going to be real and uh, so we have to ask ourselves, is this part of a planned agenda? Is this something that is the next part of the Great Reset? Or is this just simply uh, Bible prophecy that's uh, coming to pass? So that's going to be the topic of today's program. And we want to uh, just go ahead and jump right into it. So I've got a video I'd like to share this from um, Fox News. And uh, it's an interesting video. There's a lot there that... Um, Tucker Carlson talks about. And so let's go to that video and check out the video real quick. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And uh, and it's going to be real. The the price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. And uh, because both uh, Russia and Ukraine have been the breadbasket of Europe in terms of wheat, for example. Just give one example. Food shortages, Biden said, quote, they're going to be real. Once again, in case you missed it, to repeat, food shortages, not in Sudan, in Cincinnati, in Reno, in Spokane, in Norfolk, and of course in our big cities too, where not a single person who was born here has any idea what a food shortage is. Our problem has always been having too much food. Now we won't have enough. We know that because the president of the United States just told us that on camera. So what is this going to mean? How do food shortages affect a country? Well, if you're interested, go online and read about it. All of recorded history will answer your question. A food shortage is not like deciding to skip dessert. 
It's not a diet. It's not voluntary. A food shortage is different. It's scary. Food shortages topple governments. They turn moderates into revolutionaries. A food shortage is a big deal. You don't want one. But now we're getting one just a little over a year into Joe Biden's presidency. Think forward. If the traditional calendar holds, we've got 1,032 days left of the Joe Biden administration. And you wonder what things will look like by then. So notice he he says that this is what makes nations topple. It makes uh, governments crumble. And so it makes you wonder what exactly is going on here with these food shortages. They knew that when they put the sanctions on Russia, uh, that this was a possibility, and yet the sanctions in Russia aren't doing too much. So here's an article from Yahoo News, and uh, it's, it says that Biden's warning of a real food shortage and the impact it will have on American European countries following implement, implementation of sanctions on the Russian economy comes after White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said this week that Americans are unlikely to face a food shortage. While we are not expecting food shortages here at home, we do anticipate that higher energy, fertilizer, wheat, corn prices could impact the price of growing purchases, critical fuel supply, food supplies for countries around the world, Saki said. An early estimate, uh, earlier estimation of the World Bank suggests disappropriate impacts on low and middle income countries, including Africa, Middle East, in the Southeast Asia. At the time, Saki said that the administration was working with our partners in the G7 multilateral development banks, the World Food Program, and the UN Food and Agricultural Organizations to uh, mitigate food shortages, impacts lower on income on lower income countries. In May of 2020, while talking uh, at the then-President Donald Trump during a virtual town hall meeting, Biden claimed America did not have food shortage problems. We don't have a food shortage problem. We have a leadership problem, the candidate Biden said. We have plenty of food, Biden added. At this time, it's being plowed under. You've got your euthanizing cattle and pigs. They're out there making sure that they are pouring thousands of gallons of milk in the ground. It's not a food shortage. It's a lack of leadership, a lack of leadership. As war continues to ravage the Ukraine, Americans, particularly those who live paycheck to paycheck, are beginning to feel this financial squeeze on their food prices from the conflict half a world away. It began with a rapid rise in gas prices and now the Russian oil ban in the United States and energy scarcely heightened globally. Experts say shoppers can expect their grocery bills to rise in the coming months, especially if the Ukraine misses its wheat planting season. So here we are, folks. We're at this situation right now where we see that they're saying this shortage is coming. And the reason is, is because the Ukraine and Russia are the breadbasket of the world. And this is what happens uh, whenever we see that our country goes from being able to self-sustain and we begin to um, send those things out around the world and and buy from other countries and not have those things going on here. Biden talked about uh, slaughtering animals and pouring milk out in the ground. Well, you remember when all that was going on was when the government had our country shut down. You couldn't go to restaurants and the vehicles couldn't get to the grocery stores 
and deliver their product. So we were limited on what we could do. We were prisoners in our own home. That's when that was happening. That's when they were pouring milk out and things like that. Now we're looking at this shortage where they're saying that because of the war in Ukraine, the sanctions that were set on Russia, we're being affected here in our country. Those sanctions aren't even hurting in Russia. There's video out there, viral video, of people going in grocery stores in Russia, and there's plenty of food on their shelves. They're not having any impact by these sanctions. So what's it all about? When we come back from the break, we'll talk about it more, and we'll look at it from a biblical perspective. Right now, there are tens of thousands of Jewish immigrants stranded in Ukraine as Russia invades city after city with no regard for human life. 3,000 Jews are ready to return to Israel today. The need for evacuation, shelter, flights, and emergency housing, nearly $10 million. The Jews in Ukraine need your help. If half of you gave just $250 toward this need, it would be met in full today. Please consider giving to help Jews safely escape Ukraine. To give or learn more, go to endtime.com slash Ukraine or call 800 endtime That's endtime.com slash Ukraine or 800-363-8463. I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Hello and welcome back to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell. Um, I meant to mention at the top of the program that I am taking your calls today. So if you'd like to call and talk to me, the number is one 363 that's one 363 You can call and talk to me about this topic today if you'd like to be uh, on the program. And so back to what we were talking about before. Is, is this part of the Great Reset? Um, you, you remember the quote, never waste a good crisis. Well, Henry Kissinger, who we know is a globalist and a one-worlder and um, very... We, we've had video of him talking about the one world government before. He, he said, who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the enemy or the energy controls whole continents. And who controls money can control the world. History shows us that this is true, especially when it comes to controlling food. 
So you've got comments like that. Um, of course, that was made several years ago, but we've also heard Klaus Schwab talk about crisis and how we deal with those crises. We never waste them. We move into this great reset. Well, it's interesting, and uh, something that I wanted to bring up today uh, is these articles that have come out in the past, and it makes you wonder what's going on, because this happened back in April of 2021, and it came from The Guardian, and it says that Bill Gates is the biggest owner of farmland in the United States. And the question is, why? Bill Gates has never been a farmer, so why did the land report dub him Farmer Bill? This year, the uh, third richest man on the planet doesn't have a green thumb, nor does he uh, put in back-breaking labor. Humble people do uh, to grow our food and to get far less praise for it. The kind of hard work isn't made, that's not what's made him rich. Gates' achievement, according to the report, is that he's largest, he is the largest private owner of farmland in the U.S., a 2018 purchase of 14,500 acres of prime eastern Washington farmland, which is traditional Yakama territory, for $171 million helped him get that title. In total, Gates owns approximately 242,000 acres for farmland with assets totaling more than 16. Six thousand nine hundred million. To put that into perspective, that's nearly half the size of Hong Kong. So Bill Gates has gone in and bought these farmers' property, and now owns that property. And you got to ask yourself, why is he buying up farmland? Another report that comes from American Military News says U.S. lawmakers are acting with increased concern as Chinese purchasers are buying tens of thousands of acres of U.S. farmland. As of the start of 2020, Chinese investors owned about 192,000 acres of U.S. agricultural land valued at $1.9 billion, according to Politico. While Chinese land ownership in the U.S. is less than that of other foreign nations, the growth in Chinese land ownership is part of an overall trend in China rapidly buying up other countries' farmland over more than a decade. In 2018, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the USDA, reported that China's agricultural investments in other nations had grown more than tenfold what they had uh, than what they had had. The extensive Chinese land holdings in the U.S. have stirred calls to cut China off and stem the potential U.S. reliance to those Chinese landowners from both sides of the political aisle. So here's something that's going on here that we, we do have to kind of ask what's happening. One of the things that came out in a report just today, China says that they will step up and begin to help with the wheat industry to uh, take some of the pressure off from what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia. I just wonder how they're able to do that, but they're buying up our farmland here in the United States where we could actually have farmers producing our own corn and wheat and everything that we would need in these places. Uh, You know, there was recently a conspiracy theory that, um, you know, there were farmers being told to destroy their crops or they wouldn't receive the money from the government, their government grants, and there were videos out there. Well, that's recently been 
uh, debunked and they're saying that those videos were not true. But you got to ask yourself, why are we in the situation we're in? Now, maybe it's not that the farmers were told by our government to do this, but what if it's a ploy by the Great Reset? What if this is part of the agenda? The agenda? So I'm just going to leave that there. I'll let you decide for yourself. We're not going to get into conspiracy theories, but I talked about it because I know that I'll get emails about it and people will talk to me about it. And so I just want to say I know that's out there and I know it's been reported, but everything that I looked said that it was not true, that that was a false claim. All right. So all the time here at End Time, we get emails and phone calls from people that are asking about storing up food. And, uh, you know, is that wrong? Does the Bible say we should do that or should we just trust in the Lord? Well, that's why I wanted to talk about some things today because it's in the Bible, there's many instances, and we're going to look at some of those in a little while, that God shows us that we can depend on Him during these times. And there's nothing wrong with storing up food also. There's, there's also a biblical example for that. So, for instance, uh, last year, and this is just something that I tell folks all the time, we had one of the worst snowstorms that I've ever experienced in my 55 years of living here in Texas. We have never had 10 inches of snow on the ground for several days, but that's what happened to us last February, and it lasted for over a week. People lost power. Uh, they lost their water. Travel became extremely difficult. If you didn't have a four-wheel drive vehicle, you weren't going anywhere on the snow. It was, it was that bad out where I live in in eastern part of East Texas. The grocery store even ran out of food. They ran out of bread, milk, toiletries. So luckily we were prepared. My wife and I had, had um, we've always kind of kept a stored supply because out where I live, the wind can blow really hard and you can lose electricity for three or four days. It's just kind of the way it is. Those trees hit power lines and knock power lines down. We get tornadoes through there because I live right in the middle of Tornado Alley. And uh, so we're always storing up things that we'll need. So what I wanted to do today was I wanted to give you uh, a list of things. There's several websites out there that you can go on and you can research for yourself. You can look and see what they suggest that you should do. And once again, I'll tell you this. There's nothing wrong with you saving up things because even if... uh, you, you have an abundance of things. You never know. You may have a neighbor or something that gets hit by a tornado and they don't have water. They don't have food. They don't have shelter. They don't have clothes. Things that you can help with. I remember a few years ago here in the Dallas area, there was a tornado on Christmas Day and nobody expected it in the middle of December. And I had very close friends whose house was totally destroyed and uh, the community just reached out and people began to give what they had to help their neighbors. So you never know when something like that's going to happen. So anyway, like I said, there's many places on the Internet where you can go and you can look up these sites of what to prepare for. So the number one thing that I would tell you to always have is plenty of water. You store water up for yourself, and if you have pets, you need to store water up for them as well. I've got two large uh, Siberian Huskies, and they go through a lot of water a day, And that's something that you may not think about is how much water your animals have to have. So water is not only important for us, it's important for your pets. And water is probably the most important thing you can have because you can live without food, uh, you know, for for weeks, but you can only live without water for days. 
So uh, you can collect rainwater for things like flushing toilets uh, and you know, washing up with things. You can boil that rainwater. You can actually use that rainwater for other things. But, you know, when your water goes out, you don't think about things like that. But during that winter I was telling you about, when people didn't have water, they couldn't even flush their toilets. They would have to bring snow in from outside and melt it and then pour the water in their toilets to get their toilets to flush. So just things to think about. Uh, Also, I keep a camping stove with me at all times that runs on propane. And so that way I can always cook if my electricity goes out. So back to the basic uh, list of food supplies that you might want to consider buying and stockpiling in case we have a uh, food shortage that lasts for quite a while. So I just got this from one of those websites I was telling you about. You're always going to need flour, white, wholemeal, self-rising flour, anything like that. Rice is always good to have. Noodles are always good to have. Beans of different varieties, canned beans and even dried beans, lentils, oats, oatmeal. Uh, Man, if you're going to have oatmeal, you might as well have you some brown sugar and cinnamon and some honey because that's good on oatmeal. Uh, Pasta, all kinds of different pasta, white and whole wheat. You're going to need sugar, white sugar, brown sugar, dark brown, vegetable oil, olive oil, powdered milk, salt, bacon powder, baking soda, spices and herbs, cans of soup, cans of vegetables, dried fruit, cans of fruit, cans of protein, peanut butter. One of the greatest things that I think you can have is peanut butter because it's a great source of protein and If you've got peanut butter and some Ritz crackers, that'll go a long way, trust me. Nuts, all kinds of variety of nuts because that will help your your body and give you some of the things that you need uh, if you're just living off of um, that type of food for a while. And though, you know, a lot of times we're focused on food and that's something that we need to be focused on. But um, something else is that we run short supply on is always remember important things like toiletries and other household items. So I I mentioned having a propane stove and some propane. That's always good to have. You might even want to get you a kettle uh, for boiling water and things like that and some instant coffee because if you don't have electricity and your electric coffee maker doesn't go out and if you're like me and you like to drink a cup of coffee in the morning, uh, having a kettle and being able to uh, boil you some water and have some instant coffee, that is amazing. So think about things like that. Batteries. Um, washing powder, soap, cleaning supplies, toothpaste, vitamin, uh, medicines, first aid supplies, and hand sanitizer. Y'all remember what happened when COVID hit? You know, we went to the grocery store and we tried to buy toilet paper, paper towels, and hand sanitizer. It's the first thing that went off the shelves. And then it was the bottled water. And remember, for a while, they even sanctioned us on the bottled water. I I believe that that kind of stuff is coming. I'm not telling you to to panic and go out and panic buy and and impulse buy on all this stuff. I'm just telling you to be smart about it and save some things up because it never hurts to be prepared. It doesn't hurt to be uh, ready to do whatever you need to do to keep your family safe, to keep your family fed, to keep... um, you know, your toiletries and things like that that you're going to need that you might not think about. So those are just some things I wanted to share with you today because I get that question all the time. And like I said, that's only that's probably just uh, barely, you know, the tip of the iceberg there. So there, there's probably a 
thousand other things that you could think of and have. I'd also give me some games for your kids to play because if you uh, if we get in another situation where we're in a lockdown ever again, that was a lifesaver too to have something that you could do to pass the time. So that's another thing you might think about. So, all right. So we've looked at this from a worldly perspective, and and uh, we looked at it from you know what we need to sustain physically. But now let's look at it from a biblical perspective. I haven't ever in my 55 years ever experienced here in the United States where our food supply has deplenished and we we were having trouble getting things other than during that time of the ice where the trucks couldn't get to the grocery stores. Well, right now we're watching, you know, the fuel prices do the same thing so those things could happen. But anyway, Scripture tells us that there's going to be a time of famine. Whether that's really going to happen here in the U.S. for us or, or not, it's in Scripture. So I believe it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen, and it's going to be a worldwide thing. Is this that? I don't know. But let's look at the Scripture. So if you look in Matthew 24, starting in verse 6, it says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. See, that famines right there is what I'm talking about. That's, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at food shortage supplies. That's a famine. In verse 8 it says, And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now I can't tell you for certain that this scripture is referring to what President Biden said about our food shortages. But I can tell you that this is a prophecy that Jesus said to look for in the days before his second coming. So this is going to happen. But this doesn't have to be something that causes you uh, to have a panic attack. Fear is the opposite of faith. And we want to build faith. That's what this program is about today. That's what I want to do. I want to take this news story and instead of uh, making you be afraid of what was said and what could become what could be coming and look at it from a biblical lens and to be able to say I'm not afraid I'm going to have faith and I'm going to be doing the things that I need to be doing during this end time because we know this is coming the Lord told us so remember what we're talking about is being prepared and to have faith look at what else Jesus says from that same passage in Matthew 24 starting with verse 13 But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. It's very important that we understand that. We're going to go to another break, and when we come back, we're going to finish uh, looking at this from a biblical perspective. So stay with us. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Welcome back to End of the Age. Uh, we're talking today about the food shortage that President Biden said was uh, going to be real uh, and it was coming. And we're talking about how to deal with that and how to deal with it with faith and not be afraid of what he said, but uh, to, to look at things that we can do to be prepared. And so we just looked at a few of those and now we're going to look more into the Bible and see um, what we can do to be prepared for it spiritually and some of the promises that God's made us and some of the things that we can look back on and see how God has sustained people through times like this before. So people ask me all the time, how are we going to survive the mark of the beast? And how are we going to provide for our families? One of the things that, um, you know, that we teach here is we're not sure how much America will be affected by the mark of the beast because we know uh, from Revelation twelve fourteen, that uh, the wings of the eagle are there and they, they are helping Israel during the time of the Great Tribulation. We believe that to be the United States of America. The eagle is the symbol of the United States of America. And uh, we believe that we will not be under a full control of the mark of the beast because if we were, we would be in some type of sanctions that would keep us from being able to help Israel. And so we don't know exactly how God's going to work all that out, but we do believe that God's going to work that out. And so people, when they ask me this, I tell them, you know, the Lord has always taken care of his people. So even if we were under the mark of the beast, even if we are under the thumb of the Antichrist and the one world government when that time comes, uh, we have the promises from God that he's going to take care of his people. So the number one thing that you need to do is to make sure that you're one of his people. And that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You may ask, how do you do that? We have a free brochure called, What Do You Mean Born Again? And you can call us at 1-800-363-8463. Or you can go to endtime.com slash reborn and click on the link there. And you will be able to have an electronic um, copy of that brochure that we have. It's very important that you understand what it means to be born again, and it's very important that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life because when it is, we have promises that the Lord has given us. And so here's one of the promises of the Lord. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 31. It says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? 
or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Suffice unto the days is their evil therefore. These are not just promises that we have, but we have proof in God's word that he's taking care of those that belong to him that are called to his purpose. So when it says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that's the key to the whole thing. You seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and then he'll add those things unto you. He'll give you the things he knows you need. He's going to take care of us. One of the stories that I always think about when I think about uh, this type of promise that God gave us is I remember the story of Joseph. And you remember from Genesis uh, chapter 41 to 45, it talks about how Joseph uh, was allowed to interpret Pharaoh's dream and to understand that there would be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. Joseph was given charge over Egypt's crops and storehouses to store up uh, for the famine that was coming. And through this, not only was Egypt saved, also many other nations were blessed through the famine, and the 12 tribes of Israel were also saved out of this. You remember, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, and through a course of events where if any one of us went through what Joseph went through, we might have not came out the other side like Joseph did. But Joseph just always rose to the top because Joseph was always seeking God and trusting God and having faith in God. And so God always allowed Joseph to rise to the top. And out of that famine, when those brothers of his and his father were, were facing a famine where they had a food shortage, they went into Egypt and they pleaded with uh, Pharaoh's right-hand man, who was Joseph, and they didn't even know it was their own brother. And they pleaded with him to, to barter with them and give them food. And the whole uh, nation of Israel was saved through this. And it, that's an amazing story in itself because when you look at the story of Joseph and you see everything that was done there, it's a story of redemption, it's a story of forgiveness. Um, and it's, it's much like our faith in Christ and how uh, he redeemed us and he forgave us even though we betrayed him and our sins you know, were what nailed him to the cross. And so it's just an amazing, beautiful story. But through that, Jesus saved Israel and brought them eventually out of captivity. And you remember when they were in the desert after they had fled from Egypt many years after Joseph had passed and they fled from slavery in Egypt and they went into the wilderness and God provided for them. And it's an amazing story in itself. Uh, Part of it is in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 3 and it says, He humbled you. And let you hunger and feed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, what he did there, folks, is they didn't have food or water, but God provided it, and he provided it on a daily basis. Israel was told that they couldn't even go up 
go out every day and pick up more than a day's worth of manna. They had to they had to just do one day. If they did two days, the second day's worth would would spoil. It would ruin. And but they could do that on the Sabbath. They were allowed to pick it up for two days because they weren't allowed to pick up on the Sabbath. But God provided every day for them, and they had to wait for God's provision every day, and they had to trust in the Lord. And so, folks, that may be where we get. We have to be willing to uh, let the Lord lead us and depend on Him to take care of us in times ahead. And so these are are lessons that we can learn from that. In verse 4, it says, Your clothing did not wear out, and you and your foot did not swell these 40 days. So not even their shoes wore out. Remember... Or 40 years. For 40 years, they were in the desert for 40 years, and their shoes didn't even wear out. I can't even get a pair of boots to last a year without having to have them resold. So, you know, God is going to provide. He's going to take care of us. And we have to just uh, depend on Him and depend on His truth and His love and His provision for us. Nehemiah 9 is another place that gives us uh, a little bit more information there. Starting in verse 15, it says, You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock of their thirst. And you told them to go into uh, possess the land that you had sworn to, th- to give them. So that's something that we need to think about, folks, is that the Lord will provide and he's going to take care of us. We don't have to worry about those things. So if the government's telling us one thing and telling us that we've got to be afraid, remember how much they've done this in the past. We've just come through uh, this COVID-19 situation where uh, it seemed dire and we were locked down for over a year. And we had to, a lot of times, uh, not even go to church. We weren't allowed to go to church. But look at the way that God had provided for this particular time when we were locked down like that. I mean, if you stop and you think about these things sometimes and just let that kind of run through your mind at how God provided for us, during that time, we, we had the Internet and we had the ability for churches to begin to live stream. And even though we couldn't go there and be there in person, we could still go and we could worship the Lord even from our own living rooms by watching the service over the Internet. I mean, that's how awesome God is. I remember during that time I was doing an online Bible study because we couldn't meet and, and have Bible study. And I was reaching people that I'd never reached before. People that had never seen it before were coming on Facebook and watching that Facebook Bible study because of the fact that they were seeking for something and God made that available. There are people in other nations that came on to our church's website and watched church and maybe for the first time. But you think about what the Lord said in Matthew 24 a while ago when I was reading that. And he said, but this gospel, the kingdom shall be preached into all the world and then the end shall come. And so that's one of those ways when you think about it, maybe COVID helped to to make that prophecy begin to become a reality because people that maybe never heard the gospel before heard it online through the Internet. You know, we reach people on this program daily from all over the world. And the capability of being able to do that is making God's word go out. And we know God's word does not return void. It's going out there and it's, it's doing good work. It's reaching people. And there are people that are being saved that we probably don't even know about that God is using 
technology right now in this situation where we thought we're locked down, this is something terrible, how are we going to survive? And God is helping us to survive. And so we need to remember those things and we need to keep that in our heart and in our mind as we move forward on this situation. We can't be afraid. We, we can't be worried about it. I pray with folks on a daily basis that call in here and they're uh, reaching the, the end of their rope, they feel like, where they have no hope. But folks, as long as we know Jesus Christ, there's always hope. There's always going to be a way out. He's always going to provide for us help. And it's not bleak. It's not the end. I, I don't care if you've been diagnosed with cancer just because a doctor tells you that you've been diagnosed with cancer doesn't mean that God can't heal you. Our Lord healed people all the time. Um, there are stories where people did things that they shouldn't even do. Remember the woman who had the issue of blood, and she wasn't even supposed to be around a crowd of people. She was actually supposed to yell out to folks and let them know when she was coming and say, unclean, unclean, and the crowd would separate. But this day, the crowd was pressing in on Jesus, and she knew All I got to do is get there and touch his garment. If I can just touch him. And see, that's the thing, folks. When we get close enough to Jesus that we can touch him, we're going to leave differently. And so don't let things that you hear bring fear into your mind and fear into your heart. Because if you can touch Jesus, you're going to leave different than when you were uh, trying to get to him. Once you get there and you can touch the hem of his garment, you're going to be a completely different person. So we don't, we don't worry about those things. We don't let fear control our lives. There's too many people running around still today that are letting fear control them. And we've got to break out of that. We've got to trust God and we've got to be in the Word of God and we've got to pray every day and we've got to seek His presence because if we're seeking His presence, we don't have to worry about any of this. And so that's what I really want to put forth to you today and help you to understand that this is... This walk, this relationship with Jesus Christ is something that's incredible. And the Holy Ghost is a tool that's there for us to be able to do things that we're not able to do. Even when we don't know how to pray, the Word tells us that when we lack the words for prayer, the Holy Spirit intervenes for us with groanings. And so we know that the Holy Spirit is going to intervene for us even if we don't know what to say. So get to that place every day. If you're afraid, get to God, seek His face, Get in his word, pray every day, and get in the Holy Ghost. Get in the Holy Ghost and pray like you've never prayed before because there's healing power in that. The Bible tells us that when these end times come, we're going to be strong and do exploits. So when we're strong and we're doing exploits, what's going to allow us to do that? It's going to be the Holy Spirit. So these are things that we got to remember. We'll be back after this break with more. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Hello, welcome back. Um, I'm Doug Norvell and I'm here today talking about what uh, President Biden said about the food shortage that's to come and we're looking at the Word of God to try to build our faith today as well and not be afraid of uh, this warning that's come out from the White House saying that this was going to be a real situation and we were going to have a food shortage. Um, I'm also taking your calls today, so if you'd like to call and talk with me, that number is one eight seven seven three six three eight four six three. And I'd love to talk to you about this subject today. Uh, but before we do that, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, it comes from 1 Kings chapter 17. And if you remember, um, this is Elijah and the widow woman. And it's an amazing story and there's reasons why this is one of my favorite. But I'm going to read the scripture for you and then I'll kind of talk to you about it a little bit. Starting in verse 7. Uh, sometimes later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord our God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word the Lord had spoken by Elijah. So the reason why I love this story, and and it's one of those things that we can really have... um, our faith increased on this is we see a dire situation. We see a situation where um, this woman is gathering up what she needs to go home and to make the last cake of bread for her and her son that they'll ever have. And then they're going to die. She knows that's the very last of the food supply that she has. She knows this drought has come and there's not going to be any more wheat to make flour. 
she's not going to have any more oil. And so she's telling Elijah, I, you know, I can bring you water. I've got some water, but I, I can only make one more cake for me and my son. But Elijah tells her, go first and make me that first bread, and then your supplies are not going to run out. And this is a, a lesson for all of us to learn about faith because she knew that this was all she had. I mean, the evidence showed her that she didn't have enough food to make this cake for Elijah and then turn around and have a a bread for her and her son. But she did what Elijah said. She had that faith to go and make him a cake first and to bring Elijah that cake and allow him to eat and then go back and she found that she had enough left for her and her son. That's how awesome our God is. That's how God can make manna come out of heaven. God can bring forth water from a rock. He can supply our needs. He can take care of us. But we've got to be about God's business. That's what I was talking about before. When we are seeking His kingdom and His righteousness, then He's going to take care of us. That's exactly what the Lord told us. He's the same God yesterday today and forever. And we've got to get that in our mindset and we have to understand that. We've got to put on the full armor of God and we have to continue to move forward with everything that we are and everything that we have. And like I said before, we've got to seek God on a daily basis. So it's not going to matter what we think we have. God can give us more than we've ever thought that we would have. If we just listen to what he says and follow his guidance first. And so it's very important uh, that we remember that in these days that are ahead. Because folks, the Bible tells us that there's some hard times coming. And we know the great tribulation is around the corner. We also know there's some time before we get there. And so, um, you know, just begin to start seeking God now while you can and while you can have your faith built. So... We're going to uh, to go to the phones now. We got some calls. Uh, let's go to uh, Renee in Kentucky. Hello, Renee. Are you there? I'm here. Hi, Renee. How you doing? Good, doing good, brother Doug. Praise the Lord. Thanks for having me on. Yes, ma'am. Yes, praise the Lord. While he may be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Fountain. I don't know. A few years back. Had a dream of men in business suits standing around burning barrels trying to get warm and and people in soup lines. So if we put God first, he's going to, it's contingent, you know. God's, God's a contractual type of God. Yeah. If my people, you know, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, you know. Amen. It's a contractual situation. You got to obey God, right? And He'll take care of you. Absolutely. But get your victory, get your victory gardens going. I'm telling you. That's right. <laughs> Amen, Renee. Well, thank you for your call today. And uh, we know, you know, in the last days, God is going to be uh, giving us dreams and visions and understanding more and more about what's going on. And so, uh, you know, we don't take anything lightly around here. And we understand that God speaks to many of us in different ways. And so. Uh, it's encouraging to hear, you know, people like Renee that's calling in and saying, you know, we, we've got to be prepared. So thank you, Renee, for your call. Uh, let's go to Johnny in Arkansas. 
can you hear me? I can. How are you, Johnny? Okay, we've talked many times off the yes, sir. air over the years. Um, I, as I recall, uh, the Ukrainians at one time were under uh, Stalin's control, and they starved them. Mm-hmm. And when World War II broke out, the Nazis invaded, and the Ukrainians looked at the Nazis as liberators, yeah. and which is a twist <laughs> in history. But um, many Ukrainians fought with the Nazis over that. Of course, you have two socialist states. They're both evil in nature. And mm-hmm. so um, food is often used as a weapon of war or a weapon to bring people under control. And that very well could be what's going on now. Also, um, it, you're right. Uh, we're not supposed to worry. But it doesn't hurt to prepare if you can. And there is a uh, book... Um, called Nuclear War Survival Skills, and you should be able to get a free PDF file of it. And it's on surviving nuclear war. And um, uh, I think it even shows how to build a small device for uh, somehow measuring uh, radiation out of common things, household-type things. And it doesn't hurt, though, to prepare a little bit. And uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Johnny. I mean... Uh, you know, the Lord wants us to be prepared for things. That's why he gives us prophecy and he tells us things so that it builds our faith. And I think that in a, a physical way as well, it's not going to hurt anybody to be prepared. And uh, we even have uh, a little slide uh, presentation that, uh, you know, we can send folks if they want to know how to uh, prepare if there was a nuclear war too. We we have that available in uh, a PDF form that, you know, we can send out if you email in time, uh, we can email you a, uh electronic copy of that. And it just kind of gives you some pointers of what to do in case of a nuclear war as well. Uh, but you're absolutely right. We're, we're not supposed to be living in fear. And I know, Johnny, we have talked a lot over the years. And, uh, you know, I know you've been through a whole lot. And uh, I also know that your faith has been built because you trust in God and you believe God's word and so, Johnny, I appreciate your call today, and just God bless you, brother, and it's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear from you, and I sure appreciate what well, you've done for me. Yes, sir. And I'll let you uh, get back to your show. You're doing a great job. Well, thank you, Johnny. God bless you, sir. God bless you, too. All right, let's go to John in Tennessee. Hello, John. Hello, Doug. How are you today? I'm doing well. How about you, sir? I'm doing fine. I was wondering... In connection with this announcement of food shortages that uh, Biden seems to believe might happen, have you heard any word about any of the any changes in the USDA's production program, subsidies, etc.? I know it's probably late to get a producer to call in and tell us if there were any, but possibly if anybody knows of any of those changes, they could email you. And you could put it out there at some other time. But I would think that if there are going to be food shortages and they're aware of it, that they would be working on this year's production systems to try to get them up. And that would let us know if there's any truth or this is basically just rumor they're trying to begin. Because the government does have a habit of doing that. <laughs> well, we we certainly do live in a time right now, John, where... Uh you know, these stories come out and you're just wondering, like I said at the beginning of the show, is this 
actually something that's going on or is this another step to get us toward the Great Reset? Because I've seen all kinds of things about it. I, I chose not to uh, use a lot of that today because I wanted this to be more of a faith building. But you bring up a great point. Uh, you know, what is their plan or is there one set in place uh, to help to, to ease this situation? And, uh, you know, what if, if there is anybody out there that's got any uh, information, certainly you could email me and let me know uh, if there's uh, a plan in place uh, in case this does happen. But, you know, I mean, they've been saying that this is going on even around the world. I will tell you this. Uh, the situation that's going on with Russia and Ukraine, uh, you hear two sides of that story as well. I actually have a young lady that was a, a student that was an exchange student, lived with us several years ago when my daughter was uh, a senior in high school. This young lady was a senior in high school, and she came and lived with us for a while. Well, I've reached out to her in the Ukraine, and uh, and she's told me, yes, they have had uh, you know, their power go out and they've had some problems, uh, you know, being able to leave. But she's not even sure what the situation is around her because they don't even know who the forces are that are there uh, that are keeping the supplies from getting in. She says they haven't really seen Russian forces there, but she just knows that they've had no food, no water for a while and their electricity was out. And so you get these mixed uh, stories coming even out of there, and, and it makes you wonder, can we trust what's happening here in our government, the stories we're hearing, because we're seeing two different sides of the story nowadays. So they'll produce a story about, you know, some courageous jet fighter that's shooting down Russian warplanes, and then you find out that that's a, a video from a, a video game that they used to make it look like this was happening. And it's like, you know, who can you believe anymore in this time? So you bring up a good point. Is there really a food shortage, and how bad is it going to be? Get the correct information out there. Yes, sir. Well, John, thank you for calling in today. I'm sorry we're out of time, uh, and I just appreciate your call today. I appreciate you uh, joining me today on End of the Age. Please join me again tomorrow, and we'll have to have another uh, interesting, fun topic for you. Have a great day. God bless you. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.